1: That's what they're going for. Um, you can fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. That's a big deal. You can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. That, that personal connection, I believe, to be super important. Again, I'm not a professional. Uh, get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash iFanboy today. You get 10% off your first month. That is BetterHelp. H-E-L-P dot com slash iFanboy. This is iFanboy Pick of the Week, number 637, brought to you by Harry's. To get your trial shapes, go to harrys.com slash iFanboy right now. Harrys.com slash iFanboy and iFanboy listeners like you. Pick of the week. This is episode number six hundred thirty-seven. I am Josh Flanagan, and this is my co-host Connor Kilpatrick.
0: Hey, Josh.
1: <laughs> we actually should be on medical leave. It turns out.
0: Yeah. Uh, yeah. Just to warn everyone, I have a nasty chest and throat cold, and so I might I'm going to be low energy, and also I might pass out in the middle of the show.
1: So if you hear a large lump, and then yeah. I don't, uh, and I don't shut up, basically. Then
0: I got it's. I'm pretty sure I got it. Travel. I I traveled to three different time zones last week, three different cities, ending up at BookCon in New York, which is like a bizarro World Comic Con, and <laughs> and then I think I got like con plague from that. I'm pretty sure. Anyway, it's it's been a, it's
1: been a long week. What I'm hearing now, though, this is all I'm getting out of this is that a you're a trooper and you care about the listeners. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. But also, I like, I like
0: that. I come back, I'm in the midst of hacking up a lung and not sleeping, and I've got 21 books to read as opposed to last week, the show I missed, which you and Jim were on, which was a great show, by the way. And I,
1: had, I think I had like 10 books that week. It was a delight last week, and it was not a delight this week. And mm-hmm. I, I literally asked you guys, I was like, is there a con this weekend? Is that, what is going on? And there isn't, and it's weird. Mm-hmm. Did I get past, no, just I just, didn't get past the names. Just, just go into it. We're iFanboy every week. We read our comics. One of us reads, uh, picks their favorite book, <laughs> Try Not to Die. We call that the pick of the week. Uh, we talk about that book, other books from the week, <laughs> the patron pick, and maybe if we have some time, we'll read some listener mail. Uh, those of you might remember the three-month period from 2015 to 2016 when I was sick yeah, all of the time, and we made it through that, so pretty much we can get through this. It'll be a good time. I might try to make you laugh.
0: Okay, a lot. it's going to be hard because I, I feel no joy. But
1: <laughs> you, Oh, I see. You're going to make me laugh
0: with your grim. This feels like when I had pneumonia that time two years ago. This feels... uh, yeah, that was
1: while I had that. I guess we were yeah. both sick during that time. Yeah, we
0: were all sick. It was a it was a, it was a bad time. Continue, go. Tell them about the spoilers. There's
1: going to be spoilers <laughs> and phlegm. It will mm-hmm. be both of those things. Mm-hmm. Connor, you had the pick of the week. And I do have to ask you one question. You don't have to answer this now, but you can answer it. Uh, is your present state of mind? Uh, did that contribute to you choosing this book? Well, I'm sure. I mean, from a from a perspective standpoint,
0: I mean, Go ahead. everything goes into you know everything goes into the pot when you yes. when you're choosing the pick of the week, and who knows what the reasoning is exactly. But Justice League number one from Scott Snyder and Jim Chung, Mark Morales, Tomiou, Moray, Tom Napolitano. We've talked about metal on here. We talked about. Justice League, whatever that weekly miniseries was called, I think we talked about it once. Not a lot. Yeah. Neither one of us were big fans either of either one of those. But this is the series that's coming out of that event, or that those those series dealing with a little bit the aftermath of it. But really, what it represented to me was DC finally taking the Justice League seriously after a couple of years. You know, Justice League should be the like like the, event, like the Avengers has been so long for Marvel, Justice League should be like the cornerstone of the DC Universe. Everything important should run through that. It should have big stories. It should have top creative teams on it. And nothing against people who have been working on the book for the last couple of years, but ever since the New 52 when they launched with Jeff Johns and Jim Lee, and then those two eventually left as we knew they would, it hasn't really been a big book. And I've been reading it here and there off and on, depending on who's doing it, because they've been, they've been really solid people on it, but it hasn't been a book that's been important. It hasn't been a book that anybody talks about. It hasn't been a book that's been mean, meaningful in any way, telling good st- telling good stories, sure, but nothing that you couldn't live without. And for me, when you relaunch with Scott Snyder and the helm, who has been probably the most important writer, DC, over the last six years, and then you have this issue kick off with Jim Chung, who is, first of all, a top-tier talent, but someone really associated with Marvel. Um, and he's not obviously doing this whole series. He's doing this issue in issue seven. In between, it's going to be Jorge Jimenez, who's also terrific, it tells me that d c is like okay we have to make justice League important again
1: I don't understand why that wasn't glaringly obvious given yet. what we learned you know in nineteen ninety seven or you know right. any of the other times that like or or if you look at you know we just when we talked about new Avengers breakout like make that book good and like that it does that trickles down it feels like
0: one hundred percent
1: so as when Justice League is big and important
0: and everyone's talking about it, then that boosts, I think, the whole DC Universe. You're right, 97, when Grant Morrison and Howard Porter took over Justice League and relaunched it, it changed the whole tenor of the DC Universe, and it's important to have Justice League be a good book.
1: It's just hard to find that moment, yeah. like make that happen. But um...
0: Now, to me, one of the one of the things that is very important to the Justice League and it's been made true here is that the Justice League needs to have John Jones in it. He hasn't been in the Justice League really since the relaunch in 2011 he was in that other team justice league of america but he is for better or worse the, co- the emotional cornerstone of this team and to not have him on it for so long was a big mistake and so here we've returned with a lineup although there are many dc characters in this book the main core lineup of the team is superman batman wonder woman martian Manhunter, hunter john stewart flash hawk girl cyborg and aquaman and that's a it's a solid team. It's, it's all your heavy hitters. It obviously, it, it reminds you of the cartoon a little bit, but it, it's, it's a, it's a big lineup and it's important, but it's a really important that the main thrust of the story, goes through the Martian Manhunter. He's the chairman mm-hmm. of the team. The story is really about what's going on in his head. And that was something that had been missing. There's a gravitas to him that had been lacking on the team. Um, and of course you, you get, you know, so the, Again, we didn't really talk about the other series so much, but the source wall broke open, I guess, in the last series. I read it, but I don't really remember. And something has come out of it. We don't know what that thing is. And really, that's all you need to know. You don't need to have read the last series. You just need to know that something is coming out of the source wall and it's heading this way. So that's the immediate danger. And then the the secondary danger is that there's a new Legion of Doom forming. And I really like the sequence between Lex Luthor and Vandal Savage. Vandal Savage has all of his... uh, Evolved, um, Cro-Magnon men
1: army, and <laughs> which is which is kind of funny because S- Scott Snyder is not necessarily known for grabbing onto the wacky stuff. Right, like he tends to take the stuff and make it really serious. And a lot of gravitas. But having a bunch of evolved Cro-Magnon, the Neanderthals, is that yeah. a new thing, by the way? That name? Maybe I don't know. Because if not, kudos to you because that's some that's some more l- light. Yeah. You know, it's the tr- story isn't treated light, but it's a little bit of that comic book wackiness that 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 again, I credit Grant Morrison for like showing me that like no, that stuff's good, and and seeing S- Scott Snyder let some of that in, yeah. I, I think is a is a really good sign. And there's a great,
0: I mean, it's a great scene where Luther defeats Vandal Savage, so all the Neo-Anderthals are like, "We are now with you, Luthor," and he immediately just dispatches hmm. them out of a. I guess a trap door into wherever they, so it was,
1: <laughs> which, which was also funny. It was yeah. an actual trap door. And I was like, really, that's okay. Let's do this.
0: Yeah. I thought that, that was a great sequence. And so now Luther is reforming his, his Legion of doom with a Joker and Sinestro and Gorilla Grodd and, and Cheetah and Black Mantis. So like, it's, it's your classic setup. We need a strong foundation. And to me, this, this built a strong foundation to move forward uh, into the, into the future with this the book. And I think, Snyder's been experimenting, I, I feel like, with a lot of different kind of styles. You know, his, ba- his All-Star Batman was not the way he wrote Batman. And uh, this seems more in, in the middle of it's not super serious like Batman was, but it's also not grindhousey like All-Star Batman. It's sort of in the middle. It's serious, but it's got wacky stuff, and it, it feels right
1: tonally. It felt like not unrelated to Brad Meltzer. Mm-hmm. And it might have been just the beginning sequence with the colored word balloons and how they were talking to each other and the right. sort of relationship that he put first and foremost. Because, by the way, that is going to be the thing that, for me anyway, is yep. the most interesting thing about a Justice League book is how do these people really relate to each other and interact? Like, what are their inside jokes?
0: I, lo- I love that they all have Batman impressions. I love that they, do that, that they make fun of him behind his back and also to his face with the with their voice, mm-hmm. which is great. If they're all friends, that's what they would do.
1: Yes, it's absolutely what they would do. And also, in the face of like, what is a really tough job, you know? Like that's what you would do. Like I, I, I know that's how people. That's how people in the real world world work. And to sort of transfer that seems obvious, but I, I really like that part of it.
0: Yeah. What did you think of Jim Chung?
1: I think that he is a delight.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Like on the one hand, I was really happy to see him, and I think that it shows. I, I, you don't want to say, like, what are these people thinking, but I've spent a lot of time looking at DC books, you know, for a while and go, what are these people thinking? Like, why and, – and I think that what they're thinking is it's more important to get the books out than to make the book special. Mm-hmm. And by putting Jim Chung on this book, they're saying that we know this book is special. We want this book to be special. By putting Scott Snyder on, it indicates that to a certain extent – but sure. not as much as is with a commitment to the artist. Because when you're making a commitment to an artist like that, you are halfway taking a risk. Because, But we also know that Jim Chung isn't going to be the regular artist for this, and that yeah. takes away from it a little bit.
0: Yeah, it's 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 an odd choice. I mean, I'll, I'll take any Jim Chung I can get. Mm-hmm. To have him to do the the capper ends. Like, what is, Jorge Jimenez is terrific. He's one of my favorite artists working, so I'm looking forward to seeing his middle sure. you know, issues. But why not just do Jorge Jimenez? You know, he's... Why mm-hmm. not just let him be the artist on it? Well, I, I get that there's a buzz around this because of Jim Chung that you wouldn't have otherwise. But
1: you're gonna, you realistically, you're probably gonna get a sales boost on this first issue that he is gonna help. That is gonna help fund whatever the next sort of part, as they always invariably sort of go downward.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So that's sort of the way that I, I tend to think about it. And and you know, I've seen this conversation happening with artists, comic book artists, a lot more lately. Is that certainly for artists who are veterans? Mm -hmm. Um, the level of work that is required now is not realistic to expect 12 or maybe even 10 monthly issues a year. It's not a thing that people can do, but readers do expect that the book. And so like we've evolved a new economy of sorts to do that. So you have certain artists who probably get a pretty hefty page rate and they're only going to be able to do four to eight books a year or something like that. And that's still a full-time job. It's not, they're lazy. It's not anything, you know, but That's just the reality of of what it is now. This isn't Jack Kirby's time. It's not the same thing.
0: Especially with a team book where you have lots of different character designs you have to draw. And people might not realize it is harder and more time-consuming to have to draw lots of different characters. Mm -hmm. When you're just doing a single character book, it's easier to draw Batman over and over again as it is to to draw Cyborg and Batman and Aquaman who are all
1: very different. So that being said, with both Scott Snyder and Jim Chung on this, I don't know that I would immediately identify it as them in this book. Which is just not a bad thing. Like, I think Chung's work looked a little different. Maybe the way it was finished was a little different. It seems to be a little bit less rendered. It's chunkier.
0: Yeah, and I, it's not a complaint. Has Mark, you talk about it, I'm going to look him up who in, inked him in the past. Because I don't yeah. know that Mark Morales is the guy who has done that.
1: Yeah, there's a lot of cross hatching going on in here that I don't tend to remember, or at least like like sort of broad cross hatching on on a lot of things. Like it's good. I like the way that he shapes things. I like the way he tells a story. His Joker looks fantastic. Yeah, all of his Justice Leaguers look fantastic. It's really great, but it doesn't it doesn't scream like oh, that's absolutely Jim Chung right away. Well, Once where is, else, like, there's a lot things. of
0: cross hatching. Mm-hmm. If you I, I follow him on Instagram, he posts a lot of process. He's a great content. anchor. Process. Yeah, he's a great inker. He does a lot of process videos, and he he does a lot of cross hatching in his work. Let's see. Okay, yep. so Young Avengers number one—that's probably what we know Jim Chung for most, right? Mostly, yeah. So that was inked by John Dell, which is a very—he's a—he's a much cleaner inker than Yep, Mark Morales. So that I think what you're seeing here is the combination of Chung and Morales.
1: Also, I'm I'm willing to bet that back then, Young Avengers period—I bet that was done. I was about to say that was done in pencil, and I don't know if this was done in pencil or digitally. But then I'm looking at the cover and I can see pencils. So it looks like it's pencil. That that page with the Joker
0: where we see the, the Legion of Doom, that looks like your classic Jim Chung. You know, there's not a lot of cross-section. That's the one
1: that. that I was flipping to when I was like, I can still see it. It's it's great. Like, I really like it a lot. It's, it's not a complaint. It just seems a little bit different. But anyway, the, the point being like – He's signaling his, – his his presence is signaling, yes, we understand. We take this we take this seriously and we know that this needs to be impressive. But the reality of it is the other side. Like he's not going to be doing everyone. And I, I'm okay with that. I understand yeah. how lives and economics work. But I think it's a good signal. Yeah, I liked it a lot. He had, he had a lot of heavy lifting to do in
0: yes. this. Well, it's the first issue that's coming out of many things.
1: Yeah. And it's a lot of like groups of people standing around talking, but it doesn't feel that way.
0: Yeah. The one, I mean, the one criticism I have, and it's not really a criticism of the book. It's just, you know, it's more of our costume problems. Is that I don't know why John Jones has those weird bat fins on his arm. I feel like you'd constantly be catching those in things.
1: Yeah, I do see that. Maybe he just liked that Batman was doing it. Maybe. He's like, it's like a vision Thor like, Thor like home. well, yeah, like he just looked over and he's like, oh, yeah, I oh, like the cool. style there, and so he started doing it. I, I that I can buy. I can go with that. It's funny because a large part of this book is. Basically a conference table in space. Right. Which should not be interesting, but I actually really liked it. I liked that as a sequence, like yes. them doing that. I, I liked there's two things about it. I like the concept of it. Like they're all like, this is weird, and they're acknowledging it, but also the fact that he's like, oh, this is gonna destroy Earth in three minutes. And they are not gonna speed up procedure for anything. No, they have
0: their they have their bylaws and they have to have minutes and they have to have who's gonna second the motion to save the earth. They have
1: their asides.
0: I like a lot, it was funny because you know, I'm half dead this week, is that in that sequence, I thought, wow, they're really making this team without a Green Lantern on it. That's fascinating. No, we're yeah. forgetting the cover. And then, of course, J- John Stewart shows up like four pages later.
1: I had that moment as well. I had that exact moment.
0: Again, this is not really the criticism of this book particularly, but like, I just, I haven't really, it's been, I know it's been seven years. I just, I haven't bought into Cyborg yet. I know they've tried to push yeah. him. They, in one of the previous arcs, I don't remember who wrote it, but they made him even he was chairman of the team, which really didn't make any sense. But like, mm-hmm. to me, he would make more sense if he was promoted from the Teen Titans and he was the new kid on the team. But since now he's a founding member of the team and he's sort of equaled everyone, it doesn't make sense because that character even historically hasn't really earned that spot. But if he's the Kyle Rayner of the team, because right now there really isn't one of those people. There isn't a new hero on the yeah. team. Even Hawk Girl. I don't think it is, but it's hard to say anymore. Have him be the new kid. Have him have to earn his stripes and have that be
1: the thing. If you want him to be a focal point. Yeah, but it's funny because the whole story is them sort of always sort of like making sure that we know as readers that he's not that. Right. It's like they're constantly trying to validate his – it's funny because he's – he was maybe one of the more interesting parts of the Justice League movie. Hmm. Which is not a high bar to clear, but like just in terms of like, well, I haven't seen this character rendered a ton of different ways. I really like his character in Teen Titans Go, but I don't think that's relevant here.
0: No, I mean, if the story had started originally with him being mm-hmm. like getting the call, you know, we want you to yep. join the team and then everyone, the Teen Titans are all impressed and he's all excited. That's an interesting story as opposed to just he's there from the beginning. It's, we know as readers who've been around forever that he he's not that guy. It's just, it's mm-hmm. just, that was one of the weird things, the mistakes I think they made in the beginning. But anyway, it's, it's not, seven years now I have to get over it.
1: Yeah. I, I liked this for the most part. I, I was really impressed by, you know, it didn't feel like a Scott Snyder book because I don't know that I wanted to read a 30 issue epic that was about, you know, really dark, sad things. I think we know he can do like fun.
0: Sure. All-Star Batman was wacky in a way. Mm-hmm. So... I'll be honest. I gave it some thought, Josh, because I did. This wasn't it wasn't an immediate choice. Mm-hmm. I almost gave the pick to Captain America seven hundred three based on three pages. Well, I'm <laughs> and I didn't I know, know if, what pages. I, I didn't know if I could justify it to you and to the people.
1: I, but, oh, you I, you would not have had to justify it to me. Just so everyone knows what he's talking about. I'm uh, sorry. It was five
0: pages. Five pages.
1: At a certain point in uh, Captain America number seven hundred three, which which I, I got has been delightful. This has been great. I like the story like a it's lot. It's been absolutely delightful, and it, it it is a character. It's based on a protagonist who is not Steve Rogers, but is Steve Rogers' uh, descendant. And so you have all these expectations, and they keep getting twisted a little bit. And then they've had these. The whole uh, run has had these wonderful flashback scenes from other artists. And every time one of those artists comes on, it's a, del- it's a delight because those people are all masters who they've mm-hmm. had on here. And and it was like they had Adam Hughes, and they had uh, he had some Howard Chicken pages, and I forget who was last week. But they like they've all been like, wow, these are great. And I didn't look. I, I knew that that was. I knew that was what we've been expecting in this. But I didn't look who it was. And so in it, I flip. To the, basically the Rogers descendant and Red Skull start having a fight, and you flip the page and you see what looks like a page from 1985, right. which wasn't immediately apparent to me that it was Alan Davis and Mark Farmer, right. but I, I like immediately the arrow was very clear sure. what it was, and and I was basically it's a couple of uh, bog standard villains. I'm trying to think of who they are. They'll name them at some point. Radioactive Man and Melter. They're they're torturing Steve Rogers. Who has the good boots on? And nobody, yeah. those, you know, Alan Davis is up there and being able to draw those boots, yes. as we're gonna get to in a second. I'm gonna spend more time than is probably valid on these pages. No, and you'll this, all have it to was realize, almost
0: the pick for these,
1: this sequence alone. So don't go yeah. for it. Let's just will have to realize that this is what the show will be whenever we have the chance to talk about this, because this is where we are in life. Yeah. So I've, we've got this page that is like from the pencils to the inks to the layout to who is standing there to the costumes, 30 years old. Yeah. And and instantly. Instantly I was filled with delight. I was like, is this Karen Dwyer? Is this, you know, yeah. like I was I didn't care. I just want I was like, I that's what I want to see. I want to see Karen Dwyer do a bunch of these pages. You think he would now,
0: considering he's a, he's a real important Captain America artist for the I think so, in, yeah. Karen Dwyer world.
1: at eight, 1988 to 1990, he was the artist for uh, a large portion or, or if not, I don't think all but of Mark Grunewald's run in the, like in the late 80s. He's my okay. first Captain America artist. A remarkably modern artist
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, for the time. And for I, I think sure. he was probably ahead of his time. Anyway, he, they're torturing Steve Rogers, who's not going to give it up because he's Steve Rogers and it's fantastic. And he's, he's talking shit to them while he's tied up like a great Bond scene.
0: They want the codes to the Avengers Mansion, the security yep. codes. Which is dumb.
1: Then on page – dumb in a good way. That's yeah. what I, I want to make sure that's clear. Then at the end of the fourth page, an arrow hits the melter. And I was like, oh! <laughs> so the fifth page is just old Cap or old Hawkeye, Quicksilver, and Scarlet Witch drawn uh, in their 60s costumes by Alan Davis. And, and and all the dialogue is right there. And I was like, it's great. It's so good. This is like – there was – Mark Way did that – was it four issues of yeah. Avengers – Whatever it was, yeah, the flashback series. Yeah, it was so good, and it was like this little blip of, uh, of me. I'm loving this. Maybe it was six issues, and it just brought me back to that. And I was like, can't they just do this all the time? And I don't want them to do it all the time because it won't be special. But it was great. It just the whole five pages made me so happy. I don't remember anything else about the issue.
0: It was an eighties, an eighties creative team doing a, a story from the sixties because this was the yep. second, the second official lineup of the Avengers, even though it was the third. Um, this was the, when the original team left, and Quicksilver, Hawkeye, and Scarlet Witch, who were all villains at the time, became Avengers, and that was a, that was a big deal. Yeah, I mean, when you see Hawkeye walk in, he doesn't have the giant eye, eyes yet. He's got the little eyes. Yeah. I just don't know why. Oh, I had such a good costume. So good. That was a terrific sequence. So, as we said last time, Steve Rogers' descendant accidentally releases Red Skull into the, war, into the future. Uh, thinking he thinks he's going to free Steve Rogers, but in fact he in fact he frees Red Skull from the Cosmic Cube, who now goes and wrecks havoc on the government and the world, and I don't really know where this is going to go. But I've really, I think this has been this has been a lot of fun. And the next next issue, next issue is the final one, so we'll see yep. how this goes.
1: Uh, you know, if you're going to do filler, this is the way to do it.
0: Yeah, I mean, if you're going to tap dance to the reboot, you might as well do something something big like this and tell a legacy story about Captain America. And Mark Wade's incredibly good at that.
1: Now I speaking of Mark Wade, yeah. uh Mark Wade put out I haven't counted, I think forty six new number one issues this week. Might have just been three or two. Two uh-huh. I don't know. But see I read a lot of Mark Wade this week and I thought to myself, What did he have on? No, he had three. He had three. Because Doctor Strange, he did the the patron pick. No, he did not. That was Al Ewing. Oh oh oh! Oh, then I got that mixed up. He also did an Ant Man and the Wasp book oh, okay. uh, that I read too. So I read at least three Mark Wade books this week. But we're going to be talking about Doctor Strange number one, with uh, Jesus says on art.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: We've we've done another shift. This feels like a like frequent shifting. Yeah. But we had went from Jason Aaron, who was on a pretty long run, to Donny Cates, who was on a pretty short run. I, I I don't know. I don't know. So a couple
0: things. One, I'm a big fan of Jesus says. And yep. uh, this is him doing a painted style, which I really did not like. I think he's a terrific penciler. I just didn't like the painted style for this.
1: Yep. I agree.
0: I liked the opening sequence, the flashback. I liked the stitching up the sky. That was yes. a cool visual. Yes. And then pretty much everything after that, I just, dis- I disliked.
1: I didn't. Just full on dislike. I See, really didn't.
0: I didn't like this issue at all.
1: Yeah. Uh, after, after the first sequence. Yeah. You might be able to convince me of that afterwards. <sighs> yeah. I think the thing that I I feel like we're I felt like we were going backwards yes one hundred percent because we just did this story Jason Aaron did it yeah we did he lost the magic and he can't do whatever and 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 like it kind of sounded like all right let's go back to do, to do I thought Dr strange yeah I thought you know they cleaned the decks we you know we talked about the last issue yeah. it was the pick of the week
0: it was shaved like, his beard shaved his beard he went back to the classic look and and we thought okay they're clearing the decks and the thing we've always heard in our time doing my fanboy, is that Doctor Strange is one of those '70s Marvel characters that people in the industry really love and have tons of ideas for, if only they could do them. It seems to me the only idea that any of them have is to take away his powers, because this is exactly <laughs> what they did last. They did two years ago. Yeah, they took away. His, so once I read, oh no, the magic's leaving me. I thought, D- what? What? We just did yeah. this. It wasn't interesting then, and it's not interesting now. The least interesting thing is to do with a character is is to make them what they're not.
1: Well, right, and so I I, most I enjoyed. I enjoyed the dialogue and the characterization of the relationship between the two characters who look exactly the same, Tony Stark yes. and Doctor Strange. Sure. That was fun. But then the result of that was that Iron Man sends Doctor Strange into space, and he crash lands on an alien world. And I thought, oh, come on. Why are you doing this? Which is exactly how people felt when Rick Remender spent Captain America in Dimension yep. Z, and I loved it. But
0: he was still Captain America then, though. He was just in a dimension, different dimension here. This is... Yeah powerless dr strange wearing you know uh some sort of re- red and yellow iron, you know space suit looks a lot like yeah. iron man's armor and it's just like i don't i don't this is not what i want from dr
1: strange realistically though you could say that if you're mark wade approaching this like we've gotten a few years of dr strange in new york being there doing magic stuff and this is like well what's another challenge for him i i, I totally get that but it wasn't what i felt like i wanted
0: yeah, so he's in space trying to collect space magic because mm-hmm. uh, collecting magical talismans helps recharge his magic. And so he has exhausted That's- Earth's talismans, and so now he's got to go create, collect alien talismans.
1: It sounds like somebody has to fix the broadcast energy transmitter. Right. But in space. I don't know what to do here.
0: I really didn't like it. And I like Mark Wade's writing a lot, and I didn't like the art style. I wish Jesus had just penciled it like normal and been colored like normal. I'm not feeling very compelled to read more
1: right now. I'm going to read it because I feel like I'm in and I've been in for a while. But if I notice that my attention is flagging, mm-hmm. then, you know, then I probably will drop off it. But I don't know. We're getting a lot of Mark Wade lately, and I can't tell if I'm happy about that or not. I, I vacillated all week. Not all week, but like as I read all my books, I was like, oh, Mark Wade, and I, and I don't know. Maybe it's one of those things like you appreciate him more when he's not around as much. Now he's around a lot. and he's. I don't, see, I don't. I don't feel like he's around a lot. But maybe I'm just I feel not like I've been reading books. a lot of Mark Waid lately, but I, I don't know. Like he seems to be a guy like that's what it, I just I was gonna say who takes over when someone goes. And I was like, oh, that's every comic writer that's yeah. stupid. But you know, like he's getting to be like a go-to fill-in guy. Like because I, I think of him as the guy who fills in after like beloved creators, not fills in, but like takes over after beloved creator. Like I still think of him as he took over the Flash after Jeff Johns, and it was no. not good.
0: Well, he, it, look, Jeff Johns took over the Flash after him, so it wasn't
1: like you know. Yeah, but then he came back. Mm-hmm. It was like because Jeff Johns like like Mark Wade had an awesome run on the Flash. It was my first Flash run. I really liked it. Jeff Johns came along, did his like really important and and de- you know defining Flash run, and then Mark Wade came back, and it was like don't go back. So I, I maybe I always have like a a reticence about him. I guess could be. I I love him. He's great. I just don't love everything he does.
0: Sword Daughter number one, which was almost the patron pick from Brian Wood. This is Brian Wood going back to Vikings. After Northlanders and after Black Road, this is his third Viking series.
1: It's like I, I did. I read it and I and I I didn't know what it was. I saw Brian Wood in the front and I sort of like first page was like, "Huh, <laughs> you really really like Vikings?" Hey, you know? I guess.
0: So what I read, I guess I read a blurb somewhere. It's basically him doing Vikings as samurai. Mm. Uh, for me. This is the least interesting of the three Viking series so far. I love Northlanders. I liked Black Road for the most part. I didn't feel much in the way on this one.
1: I thought it was fine. It was fine. It was fine. The I, liked, art was good. Like, I liked the Black Road a lot, but I didn't love it as much as I loved Northlanders, which grew on me. Like at first, I was like, I don't know. And then by the end, you were like, this is amazing. I feel like maybe he has sunk a little too far into his niche that he cares about and maybe not a lot of other people do. Yeah, I don't know. I'm not writing it off. I'm going to read
0: more because I, 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 he's got a great track record, but at the, at the end of this, I wasn't quite sure how I felt about the book, the characters, the stakes. You know, you've got a mute girl following her, her estranged father who has had been in a coma and I guess just woke up at a, you know after however many ten years and they're on, a, they're on a course of revenge, which is fine. I just, I don't feel a lot towards these characters at the moment. So mm-hmm. it, kept me, it kept me from loving it as opposed to just liking it.
1: Yeah, I, I I liked it that's that's kind of where we're at with that and I I I like the art I you know it was but it was more of that same thing I like the art in the black road a lot more yeah it's just it's an interesting niche to decide that this is the thing you're going to do for a while and if you had to pick a niche that no one wants to read more re- revolutionary war for me please
0: right uh, just, that's true that's
1: that's totally that's subjective I admit that
0: so snagglepuss Mm -hmm. Exit Stage Left, The Snagglepuss Chronicles, number six, ended the miniseries this week. Uh, How did you feel about about the ending of it?
1: I started from a standpoint of, what is this? To, I don't know. To, who is this for? To, well, hold on. (laughs) To, this is pretty good. To the end, I was like, my God, this was amazing. You didn't think so. No, no, no. I was just trying to
0: gasp for air there. The arc on this was very fascinating Because I felt This edit a very similar arc to you The first couple of yeah. shows I was like This isn't very good And then At some point out in the middle It got really good And then It turns out He did have a lot to say About that period of time the, the Hollywood blacklist The underground gay culture The way the government was involved Through the lens of these Hanna-Barbera characters And then somehow it Makes it all turn Come around at the end And deal with the animated versions Of these characters So I thought this was Which was
1: a, weird But I didn't mind it Right it felt a little out of place. It's basically a term where they, they, dis- they sort of describe how they got back on TV. But it was relevant in the sense of that's how a lot of these guys went back to work so their lives weren't ruined, which sure. I think was interesting. It was just so strange. But also, like, there were moments of the actual writing, the language, the prose, uh-huh. at times was a bit overwrought, but it was also really good. Because I don't know that I can tell the difference between ironic good and, like, when somebody's writing to be flowery on purpose, which is kind of what it felt like. And if you're Tennessee Williams, like, that's a a voice you're going for. But at the same time, some of it was, like, it's really good. If he'd written that in 1940, you would consider him a genius, Mm -hmm. that makes sense. In in the sort of pre-post-ironic period where, you know, like, sad sack uh, Snagglepuss is walking around and, like, has a quip for what everybody says. Uh, I'm trying to find one while I'm talking, but that's hard.
0: I liked that he thought, you know, his, his friend committed suicide, he got fired from his job, he's been blacklisted, so Snagglepuss has basically hit rock bottom, and he thinks it's all been for naught, but I liked mm-hmm. the sequence where he goes to, to Stonewall the the and says, this was all, this ruined all of our lives, this was a waste of time, said, no, this has, this is the opposite, now we've got three or four gay bars, and now people are standing up to McCarthy and I like that moment where it's like, Oh, things that things changed around him, even if he didn't realize it at the time.
1: And you know, he had this character, this snagglepuss character who through most of it was pretty forthright, pretty wry in his mannerisms. And he was sort of unflappable and you thought that was just what it was going to be. And if that is what it was going to be, then that's fine. But really, he actually did develop at the end of this. Like, mm-hmm. he felt defeated, and you had to get him out of it and show him what it was for, and it was a really nice character arc mm-hmm. um, of a character that he did, kind of didn't have to do that for. He could have just gone with the caricature. For one thing, it's Snagglepuss, which I forgot, right? which is really the key to what they did here. Now, again, I don't know who the fuck they think is reading this right? or if it's selling to anybody, but it's, it's amazing <laughs> that it exists. It's very strange. And I, I really liked it. It was it was, it was quite a thing.
0: Yeah, it, it turned out to be really good. Mark Russell exists in this weird in-between. Mm-hmm. And we're going to talk about him later in the show. I hope that there's a niche for him in comics because he's got a really strong voice. And he's really good at making them. Yeah. Just maybe not in the mainstream.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, you know what I like? Yeah. I like Mahari's Harry's razors. Yes just gonna come out and say it like my Harry's razors they didn't tell me to say exactly that but that's how it feels I'm not gonna I'm not gonna make you talk a lot during you rest please, up during please this do. part you, you handle it so I've gone a little I've gone a little shorter lately and I've been sort of keeping it shorn more not not fully but I've been shaving more because I don't have to shave that often because I'm not a her sweet man. And it's one of those things like I just look forward to it. And I don't know that it's not mixed a little bit like, hey, they're sponsoring the show and that's cool. But I've been like this for a long time. I'm still like, oh, they're cool. And I love my orange handle and how it how it works and how it looks. I'm like, I get to use that. It's an aesthetic I dig. So Harry's, they uh, they stand behind the quality of their blades and they know that switching razors isn't going to be easy. I remember doing it. And I never looked back. I can tell you that much. Uh, so they created this trial offer. You can claim yours by going to harrys.com iFanboy. They're going to li- deliver a comfortable close shave at a fair price. They, much like me, and this is to- cost is 100% what motivated this. I was like, oh, I'm out. I got to go spend how much on new blades? I didn't want to do it. So I ordered Harry's. I must have found them in something, probably some other podcast. And and I ordered them, and, and I've been stuck with them ever since then, in a good way. Uh, they know a great shape comes down to great blades, and the blades are just that. They bought the factory in Germany, which I'm really going to remember that word. We should put that in the script Yeah, <laughs> They've been making blades in Germany for over 95 years. And, of course, they're selling directly to you over the Internet, so it's not a brick-and-mortar thing. It's going direct to person. So they can offer them at a really good prices. just $2 per blade like, compared to $4 or more. And of course, if you don't love that shave that they're giving you, let Harry's know and within 30 days and they will give you a full refund for that. So, you want to go check out the trial offer. If you're listening to this, it's just 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 get just get just try it out. They're going to it's it's going to be good, I promise. I can't promise that. Take that <laughs> back. <laughs> well, we, we strongly believe it for basic personal I, experience. absolutely Uh, You're going to get a $13 value trial set that includes everything you need for a close, comfortable shave, the weighted ergonomic handle, a five-blade razor with lubricating strip and a trimmer blade, the travel blade cover, and, of course, the rich lathering shave gel. I really like that a Mm -hmm. lot. Listeners of this show can redeem their trial set at harrys.com slash ifanboy. That's harrys.com slash ifanboy. And uh, let let them know that we sent you over there. And uh, thanks again, Harrys, for sponsoring the show. We dig your stuff.
0: The Man of Steel number two, you talked about number one last week, Ryan Michael Bendis, this week's issue is drawn by Doc Shaner, Jay Fabok, and Steve Rude, which was a bit of a bummer to see when I opened the issue up, to see that there was multiple artists in the book. Well, I was really looking forward to it, all Doc Shaner. However, Steve Rude's stuff was terrific, so it's hard to complain about getting Steve Rude, which we never do anymore. Um, a couple of thoughts on this, because I didn't get to talk about Man of Steel yeah. last week. Um, I thought this issue was better than the first issue. I mm-hmm. thought that, uh, as you mentioned last week, it's definitely not Bendis dialed to 11. It's more like Bendis dialed to like six. I think he needs to be at like an eight.
1: I'm going to split down the middle. I'm going to say seven or yes. Yeah, sup- or a Superman eight. He needs to dial up a few more notches. A little bit.
0: Yep. Second Godfather reference in a row. <laughs> and... Doc Shaner should be drawing a Green Lantern book stat.
1: Doc Shaner should be on any of these guys' books. Sure. I mean, like he should be doing. I don't want to say. I just thought he should do a flashback JLA year one type book. But that's really just because it's what I want to see. Sure. But his pages were 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 delightful, and and yeah, that that Hal Jordan is pretty fantastic. Although I didn't There's
0: love a, the coloring on him. It, yeah, I would have turned that down. It's not the kind of flat colors he had in previous work we've seen this was more it was shaded and
1: but Alex Sinclair's
0: good but i just didn't think it worked for with this if you
1: think about what bendis's books always look like i can't think of a single book that he's done that has that sort of style i know it's unfortunate it seems to be i'm guessing that that's not what he prefers i don't know also doc Shaner is not really the kind of artist that he typically tends to work with unless unless you go all the way back to an uh, michael oeming that would have more of but that's the only one i can think of more flat colors yeah 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 I thought he was great on it, though. I, I, yeah. That was really good. Um, I, I will tell you my favorite part of this. It's funny because I said last week that there seemed to be this weird, like, Superman flirting with the firefighter. And I thought, they are going to break them up? Yeah. And there's a there's – a, basically there's a rumor. Like he planted that scene that there's a rumor going around that Clark and Lois have split up. And so, like, the subplot is what's happened here because we don't know. We don't have any information. Literally, we're only listening to rumors that are making us think one thing or another. And then what was the greatest scene in this book Mm -hmm. was Hal Jordan just being like, is there something going on? (laughs) And Superman's like, nope, everything's cool. And he flies away. He's like, I really should have talked to him. And I'm like, oh, my God. How have I never seen this where Superman won't talk about his problem and is vulnerable and his friends trying to help and he acknowledges it? I was Mm -hmm. like, that's – that's new. That is an absolutely new thing for Superman for me, and I was down with it. So I thought this was really good. Yep. I don't care about the space Superman stuff, though. Sure, but I like. I
0: mean, the, the fighting Toyman, giant robots, the stuff of the newsroom was great. The stress of running a paper.
1: Yeah, it's funny because there was a bit where there were they were. I was like, oh, Bendis, because I'm seeing Bendis in this. It's really hard not to. Yeah. Uh, you see, there's there's Bendis used to work at newspapers basically, yeah. and so like he saw that go down, more or less. And so at the beginning, I was like, oh, he's got him in the newsroom. He's doing his newspaper thing because that's what he wants to put in here. And I thought, but newspapers are dying. And then they have the scene where Perry is just like, ugh. <laughs> and I thought, OK, OK, he, yeah. he talked to that. Um, There's a, there's another little bit when Superman is taking down Toy Man. Yeah. Um, he's got an attitude that's sort of just like he's not he's completely not harried about it. Right. You know, like no matter how big the monster is or whatever, he you know, Superman's powerful he's been there he's done that he's seen it all and i was like that's brian michael Bendis in comics mm-hmm. and i think that's interesting it's been working out really well so far i think it's not cynicism it's not that it's just uh it's cool i've I, we're, I got this handled you know and i like that so as we stumble ever closer to the wedding
0: of batman and catwoman batman prelude to the wedding part two nightwing versus hush you guys didn't talk about part one last week, which was Robin versus Ra's Al Ghul. Here, Nightwing and Superman are taking Batman on a bachelor party. That's fine, and they end up Hush ends up crashing the party because you know Hush was uh, Batman's child, uh, Bruce's childhood best friend. So there's he's like, "Why am I on this party?" And you know he's a crazy lunatic, so that's why. But he ends up getting sucked into another dimension with with uh, Dick. It was a dimension portal that Superman brought along so they could all go fishing in a dimension that was safe and not have any problems and not to worry about anything. Which I would have totally watched that, read that issue for 30 pages. You find out that Hush just realized, "Hey, I am supposed to be Bruce's best friend. Why did I make myself look like Bruce, you know, through plastic surgery?" And he, his uh, mask is pulled off to reveal that he has remade himself to look like Dick Grayson because that's who Batman's best friend is. And so that was weird. But then the real big thing that happened at the end was they're all recovering back at the mansion and Nightwing got hurt real bad in the fight with Hush and Superman's leaving and Nightwing overhears Bruce and Clark talking and you know about the rings and he's gonna, he won't be late and he'll have the rings and, and that leads to a actually a really sad and sweet sequence where Dick says, is Clark your best man? And they have a really sort of heart-to-heart conversation about it. Mm -hmm. And it was really kind of I was like oh shit Wow Like that must really suck for For Dick It's even weirder that They're having it while Batman's wearing his costume But the other thing that's important (laughs) to note Is that The very first page I think Yes In fact the very first panel Says Batman and Catwoman are getting married But Bruce Wayne and Selina Kyle aren't Hmm. So that's interesting Yep It -hmm. may be just a symbolic marriage It's not going to be an actual marriage well, that's fine.
1: That's, I'm fine
0: with that. I'm, I'm totally fine. I don't believe it's, I don't, I don't believe it's actually going to happen. Speaking of people who want to be the best man, we have Batman mm-hmm. 48 in which the Joker's all pissed off. Everybody wants to be Batman's best man for a guy who's supposedly emotionally cut off. He's got a lot of people clamoring
1: to be the best man. That makes sense, though. Everybody likes him and they, they gravitate towards him because of his charisma, but they don't understand him and they want to and they want his approval. So everybody wants that. I understand that. It should be the Joker. Let's be honest. Can I say? (laughs) Yeah. Can I, can I just say like, I, I, I really, I try not to be too badly in the tank for Tom King. Yeah. I just like, we're watching him like just dance at this point.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. Like it's really, it's really a thing. And, and I, I, I don't get excited when I see the Joker anymore Mm -hmm. because I'm old and I've seen the Joker a billion times. this was a great Joker. Yeah. It was a fantastic joker, maybe one of the best I've read in a while. Now, if I want to be comic book nitpick guy, mm-hmm. like at any point I just thought, just take the gun from him. <laughs> you are much more capable than him physically, but whatever, because the the stuff that was going on in the middle was the stuff that was interesting and that would have killed it. That's like every time you go, Well, Superman can stop, it's like, we know, just let let the thing play out. That's a great Joker. I thought I, – I think Mikhail Janin is, is fantastic or Janine or however the hell I'm supposed to say it. But
0: I just – yeah, the Joker's tough because I don't like it and or buy it when he's like as capable as Batman physically. Like there was a sequence yeah. in the last Prelude to the Wedding, the last issue with Ra's al Ghul and Robin where the Joker like killed like 30 League of Assassin ninjas. Mm-hmm. And I was like, no, I don't buy that. I don't like that
1: either. I agree. He, he wait a gets, minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Open the books. Open the books. We don't like it when the Joker is over physically qualified. He gets by
0: on his guile. He gets by on his cunning. He gets he gets by on his luck. He gets by on his ruthless, ruthlessness. But if you put him is in a room with 30 ninjas, he's going to get killed.
1: Is he super intelligent? Yes. Okay. So we're giving him he's a genius. That's the only way he gets by because he's a spindly little fuck. Right. He okay. won't
0: he'll never give up because he doesn't care about himself or anything. So Right. But like okay. if you if you yep. lock him in a room with 30 ninjas, I I don't buy that he's going to kill them all. Okay. You know what I mean? I'm with you.
1: Mhm.
0: That makes him the counterpoint to Batman. Otherwise, he's just as equal. He's Batman's physical equal. That's less interesting.
1: But with 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 insanity, so he's got nothing to lose.
0: Right. That's the int- that's why he's the he's the counterpoint yep. is that he's 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 the opposite. He's the he's the skinny little lunatic as opposed to, you know, fighting Deathstroke. You might as well be Deathstroke at this point. So anyway, that's my only criticism. No, I agree. Totally.
1: Put that on the list.
0: Strangers in Paradise, 25. Number four by Terry Moore, which I'm still reading, even though I really don't have any idea what's going on because I didn't ever finish the original run. I still have it all here. I just haven't ever had time to read anything. So I don't know what's really going on, but I'm just so down for Terry Moore's style of work, his art, his storytelling. I mean, yeah. I know these characters and their relationships, but I really enjoy looking
1: at his books. I don't remember a lot of the details about how it ended. All that I really need to know is there basically, uh, Kachou was connected to an international ring of killers and spies, and I don't know people who do things behind the scenes. And it it follows you around forever. And everybody's really smart and powerful. It can do lots of things, and and you can't ever escape it. Mm-hmm. sort of it's, it's sort of basically that's the story that's going on so she's trying to tie up some loose ends and take care of some things and she's left her family kachu and she's trying to f- track down this thing other than that the details aren't again like the joy from this comes from sort of seeing the storyteller tell a story yeah and 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 I don't really have a ton to catch up on with this other than I started well, reading it and and I was like, wait, what the hell's going on? Because I could not remember what yeah. the last issue was. And I went back and I read the last half of the last issue. And I go, okay, I know where I am. And she's in Scotland. And, and I basically my, my my point is this: I'm really enjoying this. Mm-hmm. That's that's really what I wanted to say. Like as a big Strangers in Paradise fan, I was like, this is great. It's it's just fun. It it's what you expect from it. It looks beautiful. I, I you know I, I like the way that he makes comic books.
0: No no one no, else's comics do. look like his comics. Nope. I was thinking about this because the beginning is almost a long silent sequence. It's not totally silent, there's some caption a narration, but for the most part it's pretty silent. And it's almost like his pages are unfinished. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like he's just putting out the raw pencils and he's not doing that, but that's the look of his of his style now is that it looks like almost like uninked pencils. <laughs> Obviously it's uncolored cuz it's just black and white, but it, it, I I love the rawness of that. I love the immediacy of it. It looks like he just and obviously lots of work and time goes into these, but it looks like he just sketched these out really quickly and put them out in the world. That's what—that's the feeling I have right now, even though I know that's not how it works. And, yeah. and I really like that a sense. I like that a lot. Unlike normal, you didn't put Star Wars 49 on the list. I put Star Wars 49 on the list as we enter Star Wars Corner. And why did I do that, Josh? It is... Listen.
1: <laughs> it drove you back to social media, that's why. You can, you can do... <laughs> You can do a lot of things in this world, and there's a lot of flexibility that you can have in your storytelling. But one thing you can't do yeah. is show <laughs> Wedge Antilles, Hero of the Rebellion, mm-hmm. flying into battle with a bullshit attitude.
0: That's right. No, no bullshit from Wedge. I,
1: I, I almost didn't finish the book.
0: Wow. I almost
1: thought, am I going to put my stake in the ground right here and just stop reading at this point? It was... It was a minor offense, to be honest. But the symbolism of it, of Wedge Antilles suggesting that it's a suicide mission instead of going in and doing his damn job. There are other people who would say that. Han would say that. Right. You know who wouldn't say that? Wedge Antilles post-battle of Yavin.
0: True. Birmingham confidence.
1: Open on the channels so the other people who he is leading would hear. You know, that's not what a commander does. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Um, I don't know. So are you going to quit the book? It was a pretty good issue otherwise. There's a whole, there's a whole, uh, Akbar, uh, Moncal space battle. They're, they're basically, they're bringing the Moncals into the rebellion, which is pretty good. I don't know. I'm gonna have to think about it. I was, there was a minute where I got my dander up and I was, I was like, I'm, I, I, can't, I can't support this.
0: And maybe it's just like a, you know, it's a warning. The book's been officially warned. Oh, I think so. one more instance of wedge bashing.
1: Well, I mean, let's, let's be honest. Prior to this, we had a guy writing the book. Openly disdained, Wedge. With knowledge of forethought. Yeah. It was not done without the knowledge that it would offend me. Right. There was, I, (laughs) that's my only effect on Star Wars canon, was that the writer of the book went, screw this guy, (laughs) and he did it at me. While that's kind of funny, I I don't know how long this aggression can stand, and I might also be referring to the art.
0: That's true. I saw the art you posted, and I was like, oof. (laughs) There's your trip to to Star Wars Corner. Now let's go over to the patron pick, where at patreon.com slash ifanboy, the patrons of our show, the lovely patrons, can go and vote on a book to add to the rundown. And this week, the patrons, uh, by a fairly healthy margin, picked The Immortal Hulk number 1 from Al Ewing and Joe Bennett, Rui, Jose, Paul Mounts, Corey Pettit on the remaining creative team members. And so now this is the return of Bruce Banner. He's been gone for a while. What we have here is a more horror take on the Hulk, which we haven't really seen since the Bruce Jones run from, what, 15 years ago? Or whatever it was. Mm -hmm. Yeah, which I tried to read. Yeah, it was good in the beginning. Yeah, that's. I really liked the first trade, and then it, it went off the rails. We're not talking about that. We're talking about this. Yeah, and so there's a convenience store robbery, a gas station robbery. Young girl is killed. The clerk is killed, and the mysterious stranger who looks a lot like Bruce Banner is killed. The kid who robbed the store goes back to hit the gang that he, that he owes money to and says, "They went, went went badly. I killed all these people." And then the body wakes up in the morgue, and the cops are investigating. And then, and then at the very end, the Hulk attacks the uh, gang we don't really see him he's off panel for the most part till the very end when he confronts the kid
1: that was a good page the first page when he shows up
0: that's it was but i don't know how i feel about the art also i feel like he's way too big the hulk
1: i don't mind that with the context i actually like it when hulk's really big i don't think he should be any bigger but i don't necessarily mind that uh-huh i see what you're saying the, the, the size in the movie is about perfect
0: yes he shouldn't be like as big as a small building which he looks like here
1: Yeah, but it's a—it's kind of a drawing that's supposed to evoke something, so that doesn't bother me so much. And there's definitely like a, like a Richard Corbin. My bigger problem is
0: I don't really love fully articulate Hulk. Oh, well, that's—that's just my own personal bugaboo. I prefer Rage Monster Hulk. It's not that it never works. Peter David did a very celebrated run with fully articulating Hulk. It's just if I have a choice, I don't prefer full sentences, proper grammar Hulk.
1: I can understand why that would be scary. So, I enjoyed reading this issue. Uh-huh. as an exercise in reading a kind of Hulk story. Mm-hmm. However, I think that I it was very formulaic. I could see this as the pitch for a pilot episode of a low-stakes Hulk TV show. Well,
0: that's interesting because we know from knowing things that this is very similar to a pitch for a Hulk TV show yeah. that was done right after the first Avengers film that was going to be done as the Hulk... As an off-screen character, because it would have been too expensive to have him be on the screen all the time. He would only show up in in like yeah. sweeps weeks, if that's still a thing. Show the effect of the Hulk. Show him off-screen, but don't show him full-on because as a TV show, be too expensive. So that's
1: that's it is very similar to that TV show. Well, it's page. like this: there's two detectives and there's a random gang of biker toughs. and right. you know, it's a lot of. It felt very much like the old TV show. Yes, it is. Yeah, I guess that's the case, and it, which is. Which is like it's interesting to see a little bit of, but do I, I do I want to do this every month? I, I don't really like that's not what I want. I like the Hulk, and I want to read a Hulk book, mm-hmm. and I'll
0: probably check out the next issue. But I didn't love this. I liked it, yeah. but I didn't
1: love it. Yeah, I, I mean, I feel like that way about all all across the board. Like I think the art was pretty good. It was effective. It's not my favorite. But it did the job it was supposed to. I think the horror aspect came through a lot. I think you know it did its work, same thing with the writing. I had no problems with it. It was fine. I even enjoyed it, but I wasn't like, "Wow, this is great, But maybe I'm not the audience. I don't know, but it did seem pretty kind of rote.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: What do you think, Joe Bennett? Fine, I kind of like it. I kind of don't. yeah, I feel the same way. I can't place it. Maybe that's part of it.
0: yeah, it's weird. I don't know it's it's he's got a sort of a ragsmore house. Kind of vibe,
1: yeah. It's kind of half modern, half
0: 90s. I think that 90s feeling comes from the coloring, which I feel like is very similar to what we we're talking about with, with Man of Steel, yeah. Shading, adding a lot that's not in the drawing, which I don't love. It's not my favorite curling style.
1: You know what, this does have though, this does have some old style DC Marvel toughs, yeah, for with, sure, with, with ripped off sleeves, you know, just random tough guys who are jerks, yeah, which is kind of fun. And I like, uh, I could have done more. What's funny though? It's funny is this though, and I know what they're going for is a horror vibe, but it's not a TV show and it doesn't have a budget, so maybe show the Hulk beating up all of them. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like you, you, like I get the vibe of, of not showing it for the first couple, Mm -hmm. but then, after you've seen him and seen who it is, why don't you show him beat them up a lot? Right. Seems like that would be the fun thing to read comics of, and people love that in the movie. Yeah, we'll, we'll yes. Smash and yes, stuff. Yeah. It's fun to
0: sound oh. smash stuff. <laughs> All right, well, let's do the ratings on it. Ratings out of five. I'm going to give it a three.
1: Three and
0: a half. Are you going to read issue two? Or are you sticking with it? Maybe. Maybe.
1: Maybe. Depending I, on the I, week. Yep. Yeah, I, I might. I might look at it. Like, there was I think something there that was interesting, you know. And sometimes... Oh. Sometimes a pilot isn't the best uh, episode. Sure. Sure. I see Al Ewing around a lot, and I never read much of his stuff. And when I have read, didn't really. But uh, you know, he's getting work, so maybe there's something. This to is that. sort of That's a leveling up for him.
0: He's done mm-hmm. a lot of sort of second, third tier books. So yeah. writing Hulk would be his yeah. first sort of major solo book work.
1: I always feel like when a when a book like this comes out, it's one of the sort of. A one-tier character is like it needs to blow me away, right? And when it doesn't, I'm like, eh. But that's a lot to expect.
0: Sure. So before we move on to the next segment, what I did want to mention—I meant to mention earlier—is that when I was at Book uh, Expo last week, I met a patron. Oh yeah. Name a Chad. Good dude. We had a long conversation. Does he have a power? I don't know if we got to. I don't know. That's a good question. That's a good question.
1: Sorry to throw you off there, buddy.
0: Good dude. We had a nice chat. And uh, he works in the book industry, doing really important work translating foreign texts to English. There's only, three, only 3% only three of foreign books are translated to English for the English audience. Well, look at that. Hardly any Spanish uh, text. He he's, he focuses a lot on that. He gave me one of the books they'd worked on, uh, which I'm looking forward to reading. That's important
1: work. You know what I like about you, Connor? Yeah. I like when you say the sentence, I'm looking forward to reading it. You actually mean it. I do I do mean it. The population. I know you
0: I should I mention did. I, I have a stack I'm not being of facetious.
1: forty to read books, but it's on, it's okay. on there. If there's in, in there, is at least a thousand pages. I've given you. Yeah, yeah. Hey, are, update well. for you. By the way, I'm I had to turn
0: that book point. around. Yeah, uh, to face the wall because yep. 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 I didn't yep. want someone looking at my window and seeing a giant swastika on the Nazi history book you gave me.
1: Fair enough. Absolutely. Didn't fair want the wrong enough. the wrong impression to be given. I'm switching back to paper. Great. Yeah, I think I think I'm out of I'm out of digital. I I do better with papers. That's what I found out. All right, so that's good to know for Christmas time. Yeah, I'm going through my digital backlog, but I, I found I've had better results with paper. Got through a few things lately. Let's move on and give some give out some powers.
0: All right, so shall we? Yeah, while you were doing that, I was, I was desperately trying to find our, our patron Patreon list, but I, I went to the wrong one. It's all a whole big thing. Logged into the wrong Google account. Anyway, every week on Patreon.com slash people join up to be patrons of the show. We appreciate them. And if you give it the five dollar or higher level, you get your own dumb superpower right here on the show live. It's our way of saying thanks. And the first patient thank we're going to thank is Mike. And Mike's power is that he can bottle anything. Can put mm-hmm. it in a bottle. It could be jam. It could be a ship. It could be a person.
1: Like like uh, Brainiac. He Does just he puts a, anything. He just, no, he just puts it in a bottle does he have to acquire the bottle? Is his skill that he can put the thing in the bottle? And is it an instant thing? Or is it a, like he knows the engineering behind doing that? And does he produce the bottle? You know what? That's a good
0: question. My original thought was he made giant bottles appear around things. But now I think he just stuffs everything into a regular-sized bottle. Okay. Without killing it. Like he could take you, Josh, and stuff you into a Coke bottle. And you would just suddenly be Coke bottle-sized and you would fit.
1: Do I retain my initial my my same weight, or is no, that proportionate? So my all,
0: density would go up. Everything is everything is smaller. Proportional. Yes. Okay.
1: Okay. All right.
0: He can also Mike, he wow. does he also does great jams.
1: <laughs> That's like a side thing. Yeah, you know, in the in the winter, they're and they're good. Because unlike the plot of Despicable Me 2 where Gru goes into the jam business so that he's no longer uh, – he doesn't make good jam. Hmm. I bet you didn't know that. I didn't know that. But I know it. <laughs> and that's what's important. Andrew Levins can't speak. Instead, everything he says out says comes out sounding like Michael McDonald's singing voice. <laughs> How's your day today? <laughs> so he, sp- like he
0: speaks in Michael McDonald's singing voice. Like that.
1: Wow. All the time.
0: What happens when he sings?
1: <laughs> Sounds like Michael Stipe.
0: Uh. <laughs> <laughs> wow. It's a weird I almost, I almost, <laughs> It's a weird confluence.
1: I was dry I was, it's a very yeah, like it's a very different thing, mm-hmm. but that's yeah, it's 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 uncanny. It's really it's really strange. Like he hates to go to the, the drive through, for example. Yeah. Because, you know, it's like when I get you your order? <laughs> Sir,
0: will you please just tell us your order? We don't understand you, sir. <laughs> um, Nick James Nick James is a master tactician and strategist solely in the area of running errands. So if you think that that's way too many errands for you to run a Saturday afternoon, Nick can get it done. Mm-hmm. He can do it all. He has an hour to okay. go four places. He knows how to do that. If wow. one of those places is in Paris, wow. he will still figure it out.
1: Mm-hmm. Through practical means?
0: Yeah. He just, it, you, don't, you don't know how Nick does it, but he's got everything you needed him to get. He, ran, he filled he's, up the car. He put to the dry cleaning. He went to the supermarket. He got the car washed. Uh, all he's of not
1: it. a magician, but it seems like it sometimes.
0: It could be. It could, seems uh-huh. like it could be, but you're not sure exactly. All you know is Nick gets all of it done.
1: That's a good. T- that's a good. That's a. That's a good. I want that. <laughs> Eric yeah. Donnelly. Uh huh. This is gonna be stupid. Bear with me. Yeah. He genuinely likes everything associated with Star Wars, and he has good reasons for all of it. And none of those reasons are because I used to like them as a kid. He can back up everything. They're all logical. All logical, and anybody who was listening to them would go. Yeah, you know that makes sense. No one can argue with his reasons. Yeah, every single thing. Everyone hears his reasons, and goes, "Yeah, oh, yeah, I get it." Yeah, and they see they see the light. Doesn't mean they agree with him, but they can't fight him on it. And they part and they friends. Respect it. Oh yeah, totally. And that's his secret power. He likes every single thing about Star Wars. He doesn't have any problems with it. Mm. And, and and anybody who talks to him about it comes away feeling like, like yeah, you know what? I can kind of I can see your side of it. That's it's valid. Well, he's literally the opposite of toxic fandom. That's Eric Donnelly.
0: There you go. Mm-hmm. Patreon.com slash iFanboy. That's where you go to get your patron power. And I looked it up while you were talking, and Chad has not gotten his power yet. He is a ways off.
1: Well, you can't jump the line, Chad, no matter how much good work you're doing with language yeah. translation. I'm sorry. We
0: have to go in order. but You'll get there eventually. So let's talk quickly. Patreon.com slash iFanboy. That's where you can go to support the show. Our next stretch goal is a non-comics media podcast every month. The first one will be our Josh and I's discussion on Almost Famous and why Josh hates it.
1: That's not correct in any way. So you
0: if you say. want to hear that show, even if you just want to hear that show, let's tip it over the next stretch goal, even if only for a little while. And then you can go back. But if you just want to hear that one show, that's what you got to do. You got to go up to fanboy and join up. And we thank everyone who does so. The T-shirt store at ifanboy.threadless.com is where you can find our seven designs. The Fanboy logo shirt, the Herm shirt, the Pickle League podcast shirt, the Rating shirt, the If One Is Electro shirt, the GDAT shirt, and Nothing Makes Sense, Nothing Matters shirt. All those can be gotten on non-shirt items. But it's important to note also that this week, Nothing Makes Sense, Nothing Matters officially became our most popular design. It passed the
1: logo. That doesn't even make sense. I guess it doesn't matter. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't matter. It doesn't, I, whatever. But it's... Let me, I would, let me take over you from here because you're struggling. Your voice yeah, is and I can do this part. It hurts. Continue. I can chop the wood. All right. Uh, if, if, uh, so check those shirts out or not shirts, things, sweatshirts, hoodies, that bath, bath mat. At least, the bath mat astounds me. Uh, if that's not your thing, that's totally fair. Go to ifambocom support. You can find a direct donation link via PayPal if you don't want to deal with any of those other things but you still want to feel like you want to make a contribution. Of course, we absolutely appre- uh, appreciate that um, and you can also go to ifanboy.com slash amazon you will find links to buy all of our books from our booksplodes uh yes. and also you will find a link to uh, in every uh episode of this show the pick of the week is linked there uh, you can find your way there to buy that comic book digitally or otherwise yep. or, or whatever it is you'll also find a general link to amazon that's another way that you can help support the show by uh, purchasing that way we are not going to do any audience questions this week we are going to briefly discuss uh, the vertigo news the new vertigo uh, as headed by Mark Doyle who has been a senior editor over at DC for a while and that was their big announcement that they've been working on it I think Andy Corey is also involved in that So as before
0: well. we get into the specifics of the announcement Josh as a big vertigo guy, how did you feel when they announced it?
1: I was pleasantly surprised mm-hmm. because in the time that all of the Relaunching and relaunching and relaunching that we've seen over at Marvel and DC and their main lines, you know after Karen Berger left and then um, after oh, I can't think of her name the editor that was Shelly Bond. Shelley Bond left. After Karen Berger left, it definitely lost some verb. I don't think that was Karen Berger so much as is they, they didn't know what to do with that part of the business.
0: Well, for a while, they remember we talked to Dio and he was like, yeah, we're going to bring it into the fold of DC. And so you had Constantine yep. in the DC universe. You had Swamp Thing in the DC universe. You had Death and Sandman in the, in the DC universe. So back in the go-go, moved to two days where they were trying yep. to do synergy all over the place. Vertigo seemed to be a place to tell more mature stories, but they were definitely, at least partially, inside the DC universe, which was a mistake. We said so, that at the time. So
1: then, you know, then you had like a little bit of a flourish where they had some some new books that would come out. We had some Gail Simone books and Tim Seeley did some books. And they were fine. They weren't great. And it definitely wasn't – like when you have a book that's – some books that are kind of okay compared to what Vertigo was, certainly to me, to people mm-hmm. my age, it kind of felt like at a loss. And so – I kind of wrote it off, and which other people did too, because it's a different deal over there now than it used to be. It used to be that was a place where you could go to get your books done. You know, if you were if you had a good pitch or you were a name, it would work either way. They owned a piece of it, but you also owned it. That changed over the years, and Image became a place where you could do stuff like that, which yeah. had better deals for, for people basically. For sure. But that you know they weren't paying if you weren't nobody, you weren't going to get paid you know upfront to make your book. You you and that's what you would get at Vertigo. That's how why that's how we have Brian Cave on. Because mm-hmm. he could do that, book like that, um, and it, because a lot of things changed, Vertigo changed, and the audience changed, and and you know there are less people buying those issues. Anyway, so I didn't expect anything to happen. I, I I'd pretty much written it off. So the fact that they put more, uh, put something into it, I thought was really interesting and a kind of a welcome surprise. I was like, well, oh, that's kind of cool. And and uh, you know Mark Doyle's a good, good editor. He edited. Um, he brought in Scott Snyder to do American Vampire, which was probably one of the last really good Vertigo series. Yeah. He did the Batman line too. Yeah. I mean, the, but that's, he got that after doing, right. you know, the other stuff. So he, yep. he came from that. So I thought, I thought it was good. You know, it was a, it was, a, it was, it was a, like, Oh, I didn't see that coming. And you know, they, I, it's worth something, it, at least just prestige wise. DC is better company when Vertigo is healthy
0: or at yeah. least they're trying, making a good faith effort to make it healthy. And I feel like these, these books, at least it seems to reflect that.
1: Well, it, it it is a commitment to saying we do kind of care about making some content that that's good. There's like a, there's a prestige quality to to like we want to tell a certain kind of story that's good. It's not just superheroes who are swearing. It's it's we want to raise the stakes a little bit. At least that's how I think. So of what that. was interesting
0: about this announcement? They announced seven books, and for the most part, it's all new people to the industry, at least mm-hmm. on the writer side, which is interesting yeah. because you'd think that. You've got a guy like Scott Snyder who's done a bunch of Vertigo books. You've got a guy like Bendis who did uh, – Ma- uh, not Max, but uh, what was that line called? Uh, the the, 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 half, the half-hearted Marvel one. It was only for Miller and Bendis. Anyway, yeah. the point is you've got guys like that who have done big-time uh, indie books at imprints from the big two, but none of them are in this announcement. So that's interesting. It's, I think it's good that – they're trying to break new talent. I don't know if that is an in, something that the market will bear, but we'll find out, I guess, at, at the end of this year. So I'll go quickly through the seven. You can tell me what if you think. I, think, I assume you're going to read them all, at least the first issue. Am I? I think we should Maybe. give all of the first issues a shot. We'll, we'll, do, we'll do
1: it. Apparently, as we're going to f- do that, people.
0: Well, it's only seven. They're not all coming out once, so
1: it's going to be one every now and then. Okay. Now. As long as it's not one week, because then I won't like any of them.
0: Bordertown comes out in September from er- writer mm-hmm. Eric Escavel who is an Adventure Time animation writer. Adventure
1: Time writer, Starburns Presents, so he's yeah. sort of in the Dan Harmon
0: yeah. world. When a crack in the border between worlds releases an army of monsters from Mexican folklore into the small town of Devil's Fork, Arizona, the residents blame the ensuing weirdness, the shared nightmares, the otherworldly radio transmissions, and mysterious goat mutilations on the goddang illegals. With racial tension supernaturally charged, it's up to the new kid in town, Frank Dominguez, and a motley crew of high school misfits to discover what's really going on. So Ugh.
1: it is sorry, it I, is I, topical. I, I, I hate blurbs so much.
0: I know, but it's blurbs. topical.
1: You're just bad. Yeah, it is, but that that can be good or bad.
0: Hex from Ben Blacker, who is from Thrilling Adventure Hour. Yeah. Created through Thrilling Adventure Hour. With Acker. The women are too powerful, they must be tamed. A malevolent conspiracy of men brainwashes a coven of witches to be subservient, suburban housewives. But it's only a matter of time before the women remember their power. Also topical.
1: <sighs> okay. Right away, I'm seeing red flags. Okay. And it's not that they're tackling social issues, Uh but it's that they're saying we're tackling social issues, which I hate Mm. in terms of, you know, like do the thing. But don't tell me you're doing the thing, if that makes sense, because this is just like they have to. And maybe that's what the market is now. I don't know. They have to announce their intention to do that kind of thing. Maybe it'll be great. I do hear Coven of Witches and I glaze over. I'm
0: like, uh huh. I mean, this, this one is the one I'm most excited for. American Carnage from Brian Hill, who you've read, who did Michael yeah. Cray, who's taken over a detective. In this thrilling crime saga, disgraced FBI agent Richard Wright, who's biracial but can pass for white, goes undercover in a white supremacist group believed to be responsible for the death of a fellow agent.
1: I, I'm excited for that one. Did you hear biracial but goes undercover? And I heard Eddie Murphy saying, Well, I'm reading this newspaper. <laughs> it's a great skit. <laughs> Leandro Fernandez on art, who we love. That's a classic, classic uh, vertigo artist right there. Yeah. That's pure crime. That's
0: not supernatural. There's no witches or monsters or demons or anything. So that's.
1: From what I've read of Brian Hill, which is not a ton, he can handle that. That'll so be, I'm, can ex- rec- I'm very excited for that one.
0: Goddess Mode from Zoe Quinn. In a near future where all of humanity's needs are administered by a godlike AI, it's one young woman's horrible job to do tech support for it. But when Cassandra finds herself violently drawn into a hidden and deadly digital world beneath our own, she discovers a group of superpowered women and horrific monsters locked in a secret war for the cheat codes to reality. I was in I'm into it for the first part. The second part I'm not into.
1: Nah. It could be overwrought.
0: We'll see. I don't know. High level yeah. from Rob Sheridan, the former art director of Nine Inch Nails.
1: That's relevant I guess experience. Hundreds of
0: years after the world ended And human society was rebuilt from scratch A self-interested smuggler with a price on her head Is forced to traverse a new continent of danger and mystery To deliver a child messiah to high level A mythical city at the top of the world Which no one has ever returned from I'm actually interested in that That's, I like that pitch Okay, could be alright Two more, all right. safe, safe sex from Tina Horn Who is the host producer of the Why are people into that podcast And a writer, journalist, and sex educator And activist
1: Mike Dowling on art from Unfollow. A dystopian sci-fi thriller about a ragtag team of sex workers fighting for the freedom of to love in a world where sexual pleasure is monitored, regulated, and policed by the government. <sighs> Alright. Fine. Again, though, like it's like the same thing, like so clearly they've targeted social issues. Yep. And they're being very forward and upfront about it. That can either work really well or or it cannot. Right. Well, it's all about execution. Yeah. So a bunch of new comic writers who've never written comics. But here we are bringing up the end here. This is what I would call my 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 hope, my, my glow. We have Second Coming from Mark Russell, who we talked about today, with art by Richard Pace of Imaginary Friends, who I don't know who that is. God sends Jesus to Earth in hopes that he will learn learn the family trade from Sun Man, an all-powerful superhero who is like a vars- varsity quarter Sun son God has never had. But upon his return to Earth, Christ is appalled to discover what has become of his gospel and vows to set the record straight. Well, if that wasn't Mark Russell, I would say that's a disaster waiting to happen. Well,
0: that's his in his wheelhouse.
1: Mark Russell it is. comes yeah, from no, when, uh, theology. Yeah. He wrote two books, God is Disappointed in You, and I can't remember the name of the other one, but they're basically literal explanations of the stories of the Bible. So like, he knows the text. Well, Did you see the, the art for that one?
0: I didn't, no. They showed cover art. And so that's a great cover from Amanda Connor where Sun Man is holding a criminal in his headlock and he's punching him in the face, whereas Jesus is holding... The criminal around the shoulder and shuffling a baguette into his mouth. <laughs> <laughs> that comes in 2019. Safe, safe Sex, Second Coming, and High Level are all 2019. The rest will come out between September and December. Of these, American Carnage and Second Coming jump out right out of me. Like, oh, those are interesting. The rest, I'm willing to give a shot and see how they perform. Could go either way. Yeah. But it's, I think it's good they're trying.
1: Yes, it absolutely is. They're they're putting some money behind it.
0: We haven't mentioned some of these artists. Robbie Rodriguez and Goddess Mode is really good. Yes. Let's see here. Mirka Andolfo, never heard of. Uh, Ramon Villalobos is good. They've got a nice mix here. Barnaby Vagenda, never heard of. But that's a terrific name.
1: Uh, he did a Mega Man, which is yeah. which is a really good looking book with uh, Tom King. So there you go. And that's I mean, look,
0: they're 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 making an effort. We'll see how it goes. You know, Vertigo has been a place to break new, untested creators before, so we'll see. It could happen again.
1: I, again, and I want to be clear, I'm not saying, com- you know this, if you've listened to anything I've ever said, I'm not saying comic books are not a place to tackle social issues. They're absolutely a place to do that. You just don't like the marketing. If you, Yeah, I don't. And if you told me that Danny O'Neill and uh, Danny and O'Neill's Neil Adams Green Lantern was about racial, social injustice, it wouldn't be as interesting as sort of coming across it. You know, in the middle of it and having that be You say it's better
0: to have the Social commentary coming out organically In the story as a surprise As
1: opposed to being the
0: primary marketing driver
1: Yeah, and I'm saying the story and character Should be the, should be the most forward thing mm-hmm. and, and you don't have to explain to me That what this is symbolic of right. If I can't get that from it Then I shouldn't be reading And if I'm reading it and I don't get that Then Education, fail. I see where we're going with this Damn
0: Alright, so those, the, those are the Vertigo books coming out We're talking about them as they come out starting in September This is the part of the script I forgot to change Because I was coughing But what did we have lately? So the last special show we had was the Booksplode, right? The new, the new Yeah, Avengers.
1: Booksplode, New Avengers, Volume 1 Before that, we had Donnie Cates I'll have another Talksplode coming up this month I'm nailing down who that is I have lots of good options, so we'll figure out Maybe set up a few in advance You can also go
0: back and listen to our solo show If you saw the movie, not many did if you, so you can go back and listen to our Deadpool 2 show, which kind of got lost in the shuffle between Avengers, Infinity War, and Solo, but it's still out there. I saw that. Doing well. Yeah. I thought it was fun. And I, I don't know too. what our next show is because I'm not in my office where I got my calendar, but I believe it's Ant-Man and the Wasp next month.
1: Fun. You can head over to ifanboy.com. You can find all of our podcasts. Find out what the pick of the week is before the show comes out uh, by liking us on facebook.com slash ifanboy or following at ifanboy on Twitter. Or, of course, you could follow us individually depending on what day it is uh at j flanagan on twitter and instagram or cs kilpatrick on instagram uh, if you like this show you can re- leave a review or leave a star rating on itunes better yet tell folks about it uh make make your social media content not content make you know tell people about it on that stuff if, if that's the thing that you like you think somebody will like it everybody does that we really appreciate that always just do what you do share what you love with people and it'll all work out after that and that is all connor will you please feel better yeah i'm gonna try
0: <laughs> uh, yeah, that that didn't that didn't feel good. Uh, all right, I did it. I did it. Until next time, I'm I'm, I'm gonna hopefully be Connor.
1: Oh God, well, there might be. might be some more solo shows coming up.
0: <laughs> I got. I won't lie to you. There was a moment last night where I thought, Oh crap, hey, I'm, gonna to, I'm gonna have to drop out of the show. But, I yeah, yeah. Well, it's too late now. Yeah, that's, we've done it. It's happened.
1: All right. See you later.